Welcome to the OKC82 Podcast, Summer Edition, which means Brady Trantham went on vacation, then he came back from vacation, and now he's finally here. Yes. Brady is making his appearance back on the podcast. I feel like it's not even your podcast anymore. I feel yeah, like I feel like you have, I mean, I feel like you've owned the uh, 107.7 <laughs> The Franchise for the last two weeks. I, have, I mean, yeah, you filled in for me twice, which is cool, but you've been filling in like everywhere else. Yeah. Are you tired? No, it's not that bad. Radio's not hard. You just talk. I just talk. I just sit in a chair and I talk. So it's it's not that bad. Uh, I actually get the night off tonight because the uh, OU Sooners are competing in the College World Series for softball. They are a machine. So uh, motionless killing machines. They're taking me off the air tonight, so I get to stay home with my wife. So that'd be great. Awesome. Um, but we're not here to talk about softball, even how great they are. We are here to talk about NBA basketball. In this, we're going to talk about the finals here in just a couple minutes. We're also going to dive into the NBA draft. Brady has some thoughts while he was gone, some players that he's kind of watched, and I have a little bit more of a knowledge of who I think the Thunder should be taking. We'll be diving into that as well. And if we have any time, we'll uh, we'll talk about some of the rumors and things that have been milling around the draft because I know the NBA Finals is right now, and it's June 3rd, and this just we're right in the heat of Toronto and Golden State. But 17 days is the NBA draft, 27 days is NBA free agency, and those two days almost feel more important than the NBA Finals, which is just a whole separate conversation. Uh, but Brady, you've been on vacation, but I'm sure you watched game one, you watched game two. What do you think about Toronto so far? What do you think about Golden State? Yeah, like, Toronto, it was weird. Before the season started, like on the Basketball Insider show, because um, I had to actually go back and listen to it, because we, I think we put it on one of our earlier podcasts, um, I forgot. I picked Toronto to come out of the East, and I think I picked Toronto to come out of the East when the playoffs started. Congratulations. But then in the middle, like like as the kind of the, the first two rounds went on, I think mentally I, I thought, yeah, it's going to be Milwaukee. And I just, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I'm just trying to say Toronto's good, and I think people are a little. I don't. I don't want to say surprised because. A team with Kawhi Leonard, a team with Kyle Lowry, a team that's won so many games over the last five seasons, been deep playoff runs until they meet LeBron James, of course. Um, it shouldn't be that shocking, but um, I- I'm just curious because I asked this question. I might have asked it to you, and if it's redundant, I apologize. But is this the best team out of the East that Golden State has seen? Like, is, th- is this Toronto team better than those LeBron James Cavs teams? Because uh, I, I think they are. I think there's more depth. I think there's more ability. Like the further down you go into their rotations, um, because once you got deep into some of those Cavs rotations, you get to the Mike Dunleavy. You get into Jr. First Smith. off, don't you dare smudge my beloved <laughs> Mike Dunleavy. Hey, I mean he was he was okay. He was okay for about Chicago ten. Bulls legend. I need you to chill out. He was our starting small forward <laughs> for I think eight years. He was okay for about ten minutes. Uh, got a he got a good contract. Um, he got paid. Um, yeah, I just feel like there's more ability. And then you've got Kawhi Leonard, who is routinely forgotten in the top three, top five player conversations because he's quiet, because he played for San Antonio, and now he plays for Toronto. And he uh, chose to take a year off. And he chose to take a year off, and he didn't. He sat out some games this year for load management, which looked like it's paid off so far. But um, I just... I'm very, very impressed with Toronto, and I'm very impressed with them despite them losing game two. Um, they just kind of had they kind of had the case of the Thunder shooting percentages um, 
what were they at one point they were six of 25 six of 26 and i tweeted out well, that's a game one game two versus portland numbers right there <laughs> and you know they missed a lot of open jimmies they, they they missed a lot of shots that they would probably hit but of course the fred van vliet thing was going to come back down to earth at some point so um moving forward should be still exciting kevin durant's probably not gonna play game three who knows what clay thompson will do um the dangers of foul hunting <laughs> for real um didn't 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 really work out for him this time but hopefully he can come back but even if he does come back he looked i mean you saw him walking in the tunnel looked stiff yeah looked in in a lot of pain who knows if he's going to be the same type of player if he comes back and the good thing for the warriors is they've got what three days until the next game um so yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting series. It's been an exciting series so far, but I guess I'll go back to my question after I rambled. Is this the best team out of the East that Golden State has faced? No, I don't think so. Uh, the team that ended up beating the Golden State Warriors uh, with, with LeBron James and Cleveland Cavaliers. With all the caveats. That was a historic offense. Like, just start to finish in the season. Their offensive numbers were just outrageous. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the only team to outdo them was not this Rockets team, but the Rockets team last year as far as offensive efficiency and numbers per 100. They were the best offense we had ever seen. And what people tend to forget, because the following team the next year was the exact opposite of this, is they were top 10 (laughs) defense too. Mm. So they were a historic offensive team and a top 10 defense. I think that was the best team they ever You had LeBron in his absolute prime. Right. Probably the end of his prime. Right. And when I think... And I talked about this a little bit with the radio. I think there are some limitations to this Raptors team. Kawhi Leonard being one of them. He is an incredible scorer. He's the best defensive player in the league when he decides he wants to play. He's incredible. He struggled last night. Great numbers, but struggled last night with being double teamed and passing out of pressure situations. He he. Yeah, I mean, Thunder fans should Golden State a lot of opportunities. Thunder fans should be very acquainted with this because the Thunder have played Kawhi Leonard in two, three playoff series. Mm-hmm. Um, the Thunder winning two of those series. Andre Robertson would have games where he not completely shut Kawhi Leonard out of the game, but there were a handful of those games in those three series where I'm like, oh, yeah, Kawhi Leonard's out there. I forgot about that. Like, with some pres- good pressure defense. Right. And in this case, Golden State, you know, they doubled him. Like, like you said, they were really physical with him. It can get him out of his funk because I don't want to say Kawhi Leonard is passive by any means. I don't think he's passive, but I think he's more because of how he plays, how he tries to balance out his energy output during a game. I think is the way he plays. He's more susceptible to just going quiet. And of course, after that 18 point, what, third quarter start with Golden State, um, there was that one point where, uh, what was it? Steph Curry got the technical, Kawhi Leonard hit the shot. It was a three-point play, and I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe maybe Toronto will actually come back in a game that they had in hand, then they lost, and now maybe this will be like some type of huge emotional win for Toronto that Golden State may not be able to bounce back from, especially if they lose Klay Thompson for an extended period of time and with Kevin Durant, who knows with him. But, um, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying about Kawhi, and I've, I've kind of always had the same thought. Yeah. Um, so I think this is not the best team that Golden State's ever played. But the biggest but and the big the biggest reason I'm giving Toronto any type of chance is that this is now the most injury plagued off postseason Golden State has ever 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 had to deal with the mark with that or the 
the moniker with them is that they have been the healthiest dynasty, maybe mm-hmm. of all time. Like major injuries that they've had. Yeah, Steph Curry missed the first round a few years ago, but as far as like Western Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, the biggest injury they've ever had to deal with, and I mean this, is Andrew Bogut, who went out in 2016, which was a big, which was yeah, a big, yeah. big deal. But it was Andrew Bogut. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, but he wasn't like Andrew Bogut wasn't closing games for them at that point. He wasn't playing over twenty minutes. Like it was a piece that meant that they missed. They absolutely did, but it wasn't a key cog in the wheel. And up to this point, that's the biggest injury they've had. Um, now Clay Thompson obviously is injured. Uh, Kevin Durant is trying to make his way back from injury. And Steph Curry is played poorly, so I guess that makes him injured. Like I guess just anytime <laughs> he plays bad, he's injured. So we're having to deal with all of that. Um, so I, that gives me a little bit of pause because I, I assume that Golden State is going to respond how they always do whenever you think their back is against the wall as they come out with just hailfire and brimstone and just run away with it. Mm-hmm. That's what they've done in the past. I assume they will do that again, but this is the first time they've had to cross this injury hurdle in this run. They've never had to cross this injury hurdle before. Yeah, um, I thought coming into this series, and maybe even a little bit back in the Houston series, um, at some point, not having Kevin Durant was going to bite Golden State. And, like, duh, you're down Kevin Durant. But, you know, we're in this conversational time where, like, the silly thing, are the Warriors better or worse without Kevin Durant? It's silly. I mean, Kevin Durant is the best. It is a silly conversation. He's a generational scorer that likes what we will probably never see again. Um, But still... When you play so many games with a guy like that, and he's very much a part of your offense, your defense, your identity as a team, you can get by like on some, you know, just adrenaline. And I guess it kind of bit Golden State in that first game against Toronto that they that they lost. But the way that game went, if Kevin Durant was out there, I think Toronto probably wins anyway. But I think at some point, if Toronto is able to steal a game, you know, in Oakland. KD has to come back for Golden State. Because I, I know you kind of just were a little bit, eh, I don't know about Toronto, but I just think you can't get away. With as, with as great as Golden State is, all that being said, at some point you've got to have your guys. And I just don't know if, I don't, I'm what I'm saying is if KD doesn't come back till game six or game seven, if it gets to that point, I don't like Golden State's chances. Because um, then you can't just walk onto the floor after missing so much time, and you've got to figure out chemistry. You've got to figure out spots on the floor, especially going up against a team that you haven't faced that much. You know, twice yeah, this they, year, right? They've, I guess, technically, last night was their fourth time to ever play the Raptors yeah. this season. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, in the regular season, they only played Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard once. Um, I could. Oh yeah, wrong. that's true. Uh, yeah, I think they only played Kawhi Leonard once. Um, load management. <laughs> yeah, managing the load. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, for me, the Golden State Warriors are just so loaded that okay, so Clay's injured, Kevin Durant's injured, Andre Iguodala, who now we forget is good, was again. injured, and he like <laughs> went into the locker room at halftime. Kevon Looney is injured. That was the dumbest three. The, that one that he hit. There was five oh, seconds. That was, there was five seconds left on the shot clock, and there was eight seconds left in the game. Didn't bother. Me. It was a dumb three. It was it a Russell bother. Westbrook three. It was a Russell Westbrook three. <laughs> um, the Looney is injured. Like if all of those guys are out, yeah, they need Kevin Durant. If 
Clay comes back and is some shell of what Clay is, and Andre Iguodala continues to play like he did last night, and Kevon Looney just misses one game, and they don't have to rely on Andrew Bogut and DeMarcus Cousins so much, and Draymond Green's still healthy, and Steph Curry drinks more water between now and Wednesday, <laughs> or whatever the heck was wrong with him. Prayers for his health. Yeah, no joke. Uh, I don't think they need him. I think it's not Kevin Durant or, you know, I mean, it's not, do they need Kevin Durant, yes or no? It's They just need three of those four guys. They need... You know, they just they need bodies. So if like Clay can't come back, but Kevin can, then I would say they're in the same situation. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. It's I, not a Kevin Durant or busting for me. It's if no one else comes back and only Kevin comes back, I think they still might be in trouble. Yeah. They need more than just one of those guys coming back. I just I guess I just refuse to to believe and maybe this is me underestimating how good Golden State is and was prior to Kevin coming there. I just refuse to think that you can win a championship without a guy like Kevin Durant playing. Knowing full well that Steph Clay are future Hall of Famers, knowing full well that Jerry Mon Green's a future Hall of Famer. And in fact, I was just going to say, you know, what well, this... I mean, they've already won a title without him. Yeah, that's true. Um, what I was going to say was um, the Portland series and then these first two games has really reminded me how good Draymond Green is. Okay. He's so, so good in just so many ways. And there was a part there. There was a part of me a few years ago where I thought if Draymond Green's on Detroit, if he's on Mil- if he's on Milwaukee, and of course this was this was Milwaukee before Giannis became MVP Giannis. Right. If he's on some other rubbish team, like how good is he? I really only thought he was good because he was allowed to do so much and to get away, frankly, get away with a lot of silly trash plays because he's got Stephen Clay. No, Draymond Green is so damn good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in his initial run, I I agree with what most people were saying is that, man, we're really underrating what Draymond Green is doing in this. And I agreed with that these past two years. I think he he was probably getting a little too much credit because then it was, it's kind of like Mike Conley, like Mike Conley didn't make an all-star team. So now anyone ever talks about is Mike Conley's never made an all-star team. It's like, well, yeah, some years he doesn't deserve it, but just because he's never made one, people bring it up every single year. Um, So the narrative on Draymond Green was that he was undervalued. So by extension, he was probably overvalued for a few years, but this postseason he has been, Unfreaking believable. The guy's been absolutely incredible. Um, so he deserves a lot of credit for that, uh, for a lot of different reasons. So you said you picked Toronto to make it out of the East. Now we see that basically Golden State has one home court back, but with the injuries and things that we've talked about, how do you see the rest of the series going? What is your uh, prediction from here on out? This is going to be because I just kind of pumped up Toronto, but I think regardless of Clay Thompson, I think I think Golden State's going to win Game Three. I think they just I think they found something. I think they they got that they had their avalanche. They had that eighteen point explosion to start the third quarter that patented Golden State run, and it's been kind of absent since those second half comebacks against Portland. But you know that series, I ne- like I viewed that series as just Golden State toying with Portland because I've never thought Portland would ever have a chance in a seven-game series against Golden State. Right. I wasn't surprised that it was a sweep. Um, I may I may have given Portland, like, okay, one game, but overall, like, that was a mismatch. So um, throwing that out the window, this was the first time that Golden State's kind of looked like Golden State um, since Kevin Durant's gone down in terms of, like, them exploding. Um, so because of that, I think they'll kind of use that adrenaline, that momentum into game three. And if that happens, then you've got to really think about those guys on Toronto that I talked about, like deep in their rotation. It's like, all right, you're down 2-1 going into game four right. in Oakland. Um, 
all right, here you go, <laughs> perform. And if that's, if that's too big, for, those lights are too bright and it's 3-1, this is going to be, this is going to go from like, this is going to be a fun series to like, oh, it's, it's over. Right. Because then the conversation comes to, well, maybe Clay Thompson is a little bit healthier. Maybe Kevin Durant returns to finish them off. So, yeah, Golden State. Yeah, I nothing's pick, really changed. I picked Golden State in five. Um, I figured they would split the first two games. So far, I'm right. And I, the reason I know that Game Five is in Toronto. The reason I picked Game Five in Toronto is because that would be dominant. That would be a statement win. And when Golden State's been given the opportunities, whether that's in the regular season against teams like Denver or Houston. Generally, they make those statements, and it, like if they win in six, it'd be like, yeah, Golden State won on their home floor, and it'd be just the normal story we're expecting. They win Game Five in Toronto. That feels like a we're the greatest team of all time, which is what they're trying to say. They're trying to make that statement there this year. So I think they're gonna have a little bit of motiva- motivation to make a statement. But that's neither here nor there. That's what I'm thinking is gonna happen from here on out, which is basically just a clean sleep for the Warriors. But you did touch you did touch on it. Toronto has seen the first game to have a few things figured out. And the biggest thing that they did is the longest run that Golden State went on in game one was six points. Six points unanswered. Yep. That was the biggest run. They In the game two in the first quarter, Golden State had a 10-0 run that had two points on the first on the first possession of the second quarter. So essentially a 12-0 run with a end of quarter in between. Um, and then to your point, they opened up the third quarter with that patented Eighteen zero waterfall that they always poured on teams in the third quarter, especially the past two years, um, and that happened again. Toronto couldn't stop it, so whatever they did in Game One to hold off on those runs and hit key shots when they needed to, they just weren't there. Kawhi Leonard t- getting a handful of turnovers. He only had five in the game, but they felt they felt big in the moment. His turnovers did. They always seem to happen at the wrong time to help accelerate that waterfall even further for Golden State. Um, but whenever. Toronto had it going, which the biggest example is Game 1 and most of the first half uh, of Game 2. They looked defensively like they had an answer. So do you take away the six quarters that Toronto's defense looked good, or do you take away the third quarter? The fourth quarter I'm going to throw out because there's so many injuries, it's hard to really take anything yeah. from that. Uh, the third quarter when Golden State seemed to had figured out the Toronto defense and was able to basically get whatever they wanted. Which one do you see as the actual definition of the series of Toronto's defense or the one quarter of Golden State's offense? I mean, I think it's Golden State figuring out Toronto's defense just because I knew Toronto uh, athletically, and especially without Kevin Durant allowing Kawhi Leonard to just basically play free safety on defense. Um, if Kawhi Leonard is the help defender against you, I mean, good luck. <laughs> right. His length, his physicality, just his instincts – um, so, so damn good. But, um, at some point Golden State was going to figure it out. And maybe if Kevin Durant comes back, then, then you kind of take away Kawhi Leonard's ability to wreak so much havoc on defense because then it just becomes KD versus Kawhi. And in that matchup, I think everybody would probably pick Kevin Durant to get his buckets. Um, so Golden State figuring out Toronto because a lot of Toronto's success, yes, defensively, they really hampered Golden State. They kept them from, uh, until yesterday or last night, they kept them from being Golden State for, you know, an eight minute stretch. Um, but a lot of that just kind of came from the momentum of Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet hitting shots. Mark like, Gasol with an Mark, unbelievable Mark first Gasol half. hitting threes. Yeah. Like w- when... Stuff's, I mean, just think of it from a Thunder perspective. If guys like Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Patterson, Markeith Morris, um, Jeremy Gr- or Terrence Ferguson, because I think Jeremy Grant's a 
I think he's a consistent three-point shooter at this point. Um, if those guys are hitting shots, the Thunder's defense is probably going to be humming as a result, especially playing at home. Like, we've seen that type of Thunder team perform, right. and they look incredible. But when those guys don't hit shots and it all the pressure comes on to Paul George, or in this case, Kawhi Leonard, um, Russell Westbrook, uh, Pascal Siakam in Toronto's uh, um, situation – that's when every little minute mistake becomes bigger and bigger. And that's what Golden State thrives on is just making you forcing you into making tiny little mistakes, uh, passing, passing lanes, getting a little bit um, shorter um, passes, not being precise. Um, when that happens, I think Golden State is, I think they're more able to replicate that. Whereas Toronto, yeah, can Van Vliet, and can Pascal Siakam have another good game offensively? Sure. And can that uh, transition them into having some great quarters defensively? Yeah. But I don't know if they can do that more than one more time. So I think it was just more Golden State figuring out Toronto. Right. Okay. Let's go ahead and uh, dive into a little bit more Thunder-centered things here on the OKC82 podcast. Um NBA draft. I know you've started a little bit of research. Obviously, you have a lot more to do, um, and I'm sure you'll be putting out some great content on the franchiseok.com. Um, about if I remember my password, it's been two <laughs> weeks. <laughs> uh, and you are working towards what prospects that could be possibly be in the Thunder's range, um, and all of those things. Tell me a little bit about kind of where your head's at right now. Maybe some names that stick out if you have any, or just kind of the direction you think the Thunder are going to go. Yeah, I've. You know, I, I really started doing this the week before I went to Florida, I guess, last week. So, um, and mainly most of that was just lightly reading, like, all the all the names. Because I, I, I go to, like, 10 or 11 uh, mock drafts every single year. So, I just basically wrote down all the names of the players that were, um, you know, people, publications would say, the Thunder should draft this guy. And then I would just kind of research them, get a feel for them. And then I went to Florida and I tried to do some stuff, but I had a little too much fun. Hashtag Florida. <laughs> yeah. And, in, and there were some actually some thunder news that happened that forced me to have to write stuff on the beach on my phone. So um, I wasn't able to really go that much, um, that much deeper into draft prospects. Now that I've come back, um, I'm basically giving myself a day on one guy. Um, today I'm doing the dude from Iowa State whose name I still can't remember. Uh, it's a hyphenated ta uh, Talon Horton. Something. Talon Horton Tucker. Talon Horton Tucker. He's another very, very thick Iowa State cyclone because for whatever reason, they like their basketball players bulky, thick, like your Deontay Burton body type. And it works for him. Iowa State's a really good basketball program. Oklahoma so City can't have him because that'd be three Iowa State players. Abdul Nader. I mean, is that a bad thing? Iowa State's pretty good. The, pretty good is not what I was <laughs> pretty like I don't disagree with you but pretty good is not the team I want to be taking from. well I, I will say and um I'm going into his deep dive today with the idea of th this could be a, a good this cat could be good um just from the little bit of highlights I've watched of him just from the little bit of information I've kind of derived from him um I'm excited I'll just say to deep dive on him but I've pretty much gone through the typical names that we've heard a time and time again, Tyler Hero, Matisse Thibel, who now is a, apparently a Boston Celtic promise, not a OKC Thunder promise. We argued about it for nothing. <laughs> uh, Cameron Johnson, the small forward out of Carolina, Grant Williams. Um, I've, I've really dove into those guys. And I'll just ask you this because I guess we can kind of 
Markov, Matisse, Thibel, apparently. I mean, who knows? Boston has two picks before Oklahoma City, so... And it's... Don't they have the 20th pick? They have 14 and 20. Okay, yeah. So they have the pick right before the Thunder. Um, This could be a Devin Booker situation on our hands once again. Oh, gosh. Uh, (laughs) um, I'll just say this. Um, What's your opinion on Tyler Hero? Because I was actually... I was on Topic Thunder. Uh, Those guys do great, great job. One of my favorite Thunder fan podcasts. And uh, we base they basically framed it as this because um, there's like six or seven guys that are connected to the Thunder. Tyler Hero versus Cameron Johnson. So I just really I want to know what you think of Tyler Hero. Uh, I listened to a podcast with Sam Vecini and Andrew uh, Schlecht on the OKC Dream podcast. And Sam Vecini, as far as Cam Johnson, he said uh, the most common comp I've heard from league sources. Are you ready? Is Steve Novak? <laughs> and I said okay. Oh, uh, yeah. The, let's, let's cross hev- off Cam Johnson. Heavyweight belt. I mean, this is great podcasting. I'm doing the belt thing. Yeah, the discount <laughs> double-check belt. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure that Cam, he said Cam Johnson is obviously more athletic than Steve Novak. But as far as like what his role is going to be, it's going to be very Steve Novak-esque. Uh, I don't want – I wouldn't want Steve Novak-esque. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I came away like um, from the research I did on Cam Johnson. And what I do is this um, – I do like everybody else. I, I I watch the highlights. I try to watch a game or two because I want to see all the in-between plays that aren't low lights or highlights. I want to see what he does in the lull of a game. Um, I read stuff from people that I trust. And then I go, I, I go to like uncfans.com fan forum and just try to read like whatever people would complain about him, whatever people would praise him for, because fans of schools will have a better understanding of how a player is right. than me pretending, masquerading that I'm a college basketball insider right now. So that's basically part of my process. I came away thinking he wasn't that athletic. like just, Steve Novak-esque? Well, yeah. Um, but who, is he who, more athletic than Steve Novak? Because that's such a low bar. Absolutely. Close. Absolutely. Not. Well, it, it, it's... It's weird because he's 23. He's a redshirt senior. Um, I believe he was at Virginia first. He transferred to UNC. I don't think he's been there his entire career. Um, transfers are always a little weird to me, and that I learned that because two years ago I was really deep on the semi Shimmy Ojolay train, and what I heard from people that had more knowledge of NBA draft stuff than I did was he transferred from Duke. Uh, that's kind of a red flag. I mean, yeah, he, he performed at SMU really well, but it's kind of a red flag when a player transfers. Um, I don't know why, but it, that's out there. Um, but with Cam Johnson, 23-year-old, um, he's pretty much how he is. Because you think about guys that come into the league at 18, 19, they start to look like themselves athletically, physically, in their early to mid-20s, 23, 24, 25 so he is basically what you are going to get. Now, he's going to get a little bigger. He's going to get a little faster because he's going to have the NBA nutrition. He's going to have the NBA training. That's going to happen. He's also six foot eight and 205 pounds. So average athletically, which basically means he can't put the ball on the floor, and if he gets into the paint, good luck. At that weight, sorry, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and I also I said this on the on the basketball show on Saturday is that I'm not saying I, it's not that I don't think Cam Johnson or uh, the guy that Andrew Schlecht liked a whole lot his name is Luca Doncic huh huh yeah Luca Doncic <laughs> uh, well, Phoenix would still not draft him 
Luka Samanic or something along those lines. But Luka, he's a power forward out of Serbia. Um, he liked both of those guys. I'm sure they're both fine prospects. I'm sure they both would work. <clears throat> there's going to be so many free agents this summer. And there's only so, obviously, like every summer, there's so much cap dollars, but there's an extreme amount of free agents that I think there's going to be a lot of veteran big men who are oh, going to yeah. be signing very small contracts. Oh, yeah. This is not going to be a good free agency market for bigs. No, so I think you can find you that backup Nerlens role or to replace Patrick Patterson or whichever one that you're trying to f- fill with the Thunder draft selection, you're penciling that in as a fan. I would tell you, let's go ahead and just say the Thunder should probably go a veteran route with that and try to do a lower-level contract, and I would be drafting a wing yep. or something along those. That would be my strategy. So I'm not saying that Cam Johnson isn't going to work out, even though the Steve Novak comparisons are terrifying. <laughs> um, oh, my God. But Which is really saying something because um, I don't want to get too controversial here, but I think we all know when a basketball player is, con- is compared to a white basketball player, the player that he's being compared to is probably white. So it's very interesting that Cam Johnson, an African-American, is being compared to a white basketball player. So that must really mean something to like here. It's like, he, no, he's Steve Novak. Uh, do you want to spend your first round pick on Steve Novak? Yeah, fun facts I know about <laughs> Steve Novak. He wanted a Knicks practice at 62 threes in a row, which is really impressive. Wow. Yeah, uh, and his dad was a high school basketball coach. That's the two things I know about Steve Novak. That's a short, that's a small, that's the most I got. Yeah, I mean, just look at Tyler Hero's draft comparisons. I mean, <laughs> you're just one of the, J.J. Redick, really? Oh, oh wow, wow. You, you really tried on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's a white guy who can shoot. <laughs> so Tyler Hero, he fills a role. I think a guy like that would be valuable for Brooklyn, uh, for the Clippers, um, Milwaukee teams that are really, really good about knowing a player is just simply a tool and their skill set is interchangeable and they could plug and play Moneyball. Yeah. They, a team like that is going to get Tyler hero and it's going to be a steal and it's going to drive a whole lot of people crazy. The thunder tend not to be that team. Yeah. They, they, they want people that are, they want players that Versatile, can do a multitude sets. of things. Right. And Tyler hero is not that. So I am, do I think they should draft Tyler Hero because that would be in the first off Tyler very well could not be there. He's I've seen him as high as twelve in some mock drafts and yeah. as low as twenty three. So I mean I have no idea if Tyler Hero is even going to be available. Um, but if the Thunder drafted him, I think there might be a little bit of a couple years where he's on the bench and he's just not getting to play. And they're working with him on his defense. They're working with him on his ball handling because they want versatile guys. And I'm not saying that's the wrong approach. But I don't know if that helps this team next year. Yeah, and I mean, you just look at some of the bullet points um, on like NBADraft.net, and a lot of the things that jump out are he's just he's just not very athletic. Um, he has the ability to put the ball on the floor, which is you know, he's not just a spot up shooter. So I'll give him that credit. And maybe um, with a few years in the NBA, which like you said, I, I would agree. If he's with the Thunder, he would spend those times with the blue or on the bench. Um, so maybe after a few seasons, he's able to grow athletically. He's able to grow confidence and be able to, you know, transition his game to being able to pump fake, basically do what we're wanting Terrence Ferguson to do, you know, try and figure out ways to pump fake, run the baseline and do something with the ball, whether it's passing, um, increasing your vision, improving your vision or finishing at the rim, which that will come with more growth and physicality, uh, with hero, um, not very athletic, and then he's six foot four, six foot five, with a six foot four and a half wingspan. Yeah, 
He's got alligator arms. It's it's well, it almost Jay- incredible because I, I look again. I'm masquerading as an NBA draft guy right now. I don't know the average wingspan according to your height. Like I, all I know is that guy has a seven foot wingspan. I bet he's going to be a first round draft pick, you right? Know, if he's a guard or a wing. Um, but six foot four with a or six foot five with a six foot four wingspan seems like an anomaly. In the NBA, yes. Like average people, generally your wingspan is your height. Like you're within a couple of inches. Okay, okay. Like the normal you and I average humans. Like I think mine is my wingspan is three inches longer than my height. So like not super far off. <laughs> the people who are like six seven with a seven foot wingspan, those people are aliens. Um, which is most <laughs> NBA players, which is why they're in the NBA. Um Yeah, I, Tyler Hero, so I I know a lot of Thunder fans are all about him because he's a shooter. I know it's also why they like Cam Johnson. I get that. If they draft either one of those guys, I'm not going to say it's a bad pick. I'm not going to say it's a great pick either. I'm not in love with either one of those prospects from a prospect level or fit for the team. The guy I like is uh, actually a cousin of an NBA player who was drafted last year. It's Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He's like the hot hipster pick right now that like people like from The Ringer really love, but also people from like the inner workings of Bleacher Report like a whole lot. He's, again, like Tyler Hero, because I swear everyone's draft board internally in the league it, from 10 to 30 is just totally different. I've seen him drafted as high as 12 in a couple mock drafts, and then I looked at one this morning that had him at 29. Now, I mean, you're going to see that because this is this is there's a lot of good players in this draft, but it is top heavy. And so after those those typical names are off the board, like by the fourth or fifth pick, then it's just kind of a crapshoot. Right. So Alexander Walker is cousins to Shea Gilders Alexander. He plays shooting guard. He played at Virginia Tech. He scored 20 points a game. He is a little bit of a do it all guy. Um, I would say he is. An above average defender, which is very thunder like, all those things. He's above average as far as like a playmaker, and I mean creating his own shot and passing. And he is, I mean, he's not a bad three point shooter. He's, a, I mean, maybe slightly below average. I think he shot 32% in college, 33% in college, which isn't incredible, but his free throw percentage was in the upper 80s, which gives me hope. Good. Yeah, that's good. Um, He's a guy who, I, it, it's just like, where's the NBA going? Oh, it's going to guys like that. It's going to guys who could do everything at a a good level. They don't have to be great at everything because those are superstars. Those are Kawhi Leonard's, but they're good at everything. They're Malcolm Brogdon's. Is he a um, – how old is he? He's a sophomore. He's 20. Okay. I love him, but again, he very easily could not be on the board, and some team is going to snag him. And Shea Gillis-Alexander is a great guy to comp him to because he's his cousin. But Shay, this time last year, um, I was reading a story that he was projected in the late 20s. Yeah. And he got taken 14th mm-hmm. because people started seeing that, oh, yeah, he can kind of do everything. Like, we should draft this guy. And the Clippers got him. And he turned out to be great and made second team all rookie. Um, so I think there's going to be a little bit of value like that. It's not going to shock me if he gets into the lottery because he is where the NBA is going, his yeah. skill set. Well, two things. Like, one, because you kind of talked about it earlier about how the Thunder have, well, I guess you mentioned there's a there would could potentially be a lot of Iowa State Cyclones on here. One of those being Abdul Nader. It's funny this time last year we all were sitting here saying the Thunder need guards and wings. They don't have any. And then overnight they traded for like all of them. They they have all of them. They had uh, Luau Cabarro. They had Abdul Nader. They had uh, they drafted uh, Deontay Burton. They purchased Hamadou. They purchased Hamadou Diallo. <laughs> 
Um, so now, and now they have Terrence Ferguson, who's thrust himself due to injury into a starting role and looks like a guy who could be a guy moving forward. And then you have Andre Robertson, who's proven, but he's coming back from not playing for a year and a half. So who in a pretty traumatic knee injury, who the hell knows? So there's just a lot of guards, a lot of wings on this team. So this draft and it, like, I agree with you earlier, what you said about like, there's going to be power fours. There's going to be centers out there. You can get, you know, rather cheap, perhaps. If, oh, everything, yeah. if everything think, if everything goes the way that we're ex- expecting it to. Absolutely. I think there's going to be way more names out there that people are prepared for. But um this is a this is a Sam Presti team. This is a Thunder team that Presti has not drafted for yet. Um going back into the primes of Russell and Kevin when they were together, they were all still pretty damn young. This was 4 years ago. So they were all in their mid to late 20s at the at the um, highest and Steven Adams was an early 20s guy, Andre Robertson's an early 20s guy. Um you could still get away with drafting, you know, really raw guys that could be good 2 or 3 years down the road because that's when uh Katie and Russ if Katie had stayed would be in this stage that Russell is now. Right. Russell and Paul are in their almost are they is Paul 30 yet? No, he's 29, 29. 29. So they're in their late 20s, early 30s. So you could possibly get away with um, drafting a kid that's a little bit older, um, being 20, 20 years old, still young NBA draft wise. But um, overall, I think this draft will tell us a lot about how Presti views the growth of Hamadou Diallo, the growth of Deontay Burton. Oh, yeah. um, The health of Andre Robertson and what they view Abdul Nader to be. Is he a guy that is just simply going to be trade bait? Is he a guy that you just kind of part ways with somehow? Um, if they draft another, another guard, then what that tells me is these guys are not ready yet. They're not there yet. If they go power forward, center, something else, maybe they like what they see out of Burton and Hamadou Diallo, which I think I'm, from what I've seen, project trying to project, I like what I see out of Deontay Burton and Hamadou Diallo moving forward, so... I don't know. I mean, if you think of it that way, then then your draft projection kind of goes to, well, maybe they do need to get something else that isn't a six foot eight, seven foot wingspan wing guy. Right. Uh, actually, I mean, Deontay Burton in his exit interview said that the team basically told him his future is more than likely a power forward. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, yeah. He just he's besides a, the fact that he's, he's a perfect two. He is a small ball, small, small, small ball power forward. Right. So. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I talked about it in the basketball show. Maybe if they really, really think that Terrence Ferguson is going to take a big leap as far as playmaking and scoring goes this summer. He absolutely has to. There's like no if then, ends. Yeah. Then they go the opposite direction with the draft. They go with the big man. But I I don't have that confidence, so therefore I would not go with the big man. And I actually undersold my guy. He shot 37.5% from the three-point line. Where are his attempts? Two, four and a half a game. Four and a half. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, uh, I missold him. I, I did not sell him high enough, but, uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking, but we'll dive into more like individual guys. Maybe we'll pull up two or th- I think tonight, today we talked about three, maybe we'll take two or three or four guys at every podcast and kind of dive into a little bit. We're just 17 days away from the NBA draft. So we will have two more podcasts between now and then. So that'll give us about twelve names that Thunder fans hopefully will be a little bit more familiar with. Yeah, by the by, then I'll I'll have my thing out on the franchise. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, should be this week though. And then the Thunder will trade the pick. God in heaven, this team is so frustrating to cover. <laughs> no, like I, I told you before we recorded, I wrote, um, and it's it's nothing big. Um, like one of them, like I I actually don't even want to say it because I might get burned. Um, but 
your Bradley Beal blockbuster trade piece. <laughs> that I know is happening. That is <laughs> Inside uh, information. Blake Griffin with the eye emojis yesterday. Oh, never mind. It was just a donation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I pre-wrote... Will Blake th- Griffin be on the Thunder? I'm not. I don't. I'm just kidding. I, 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 would, be, I would be. I don't want to play that game. I would be curious. Like, hey, Blake, knowing what you know now, playing for Detroit, getting traded to Detroit, do, would you have preferred to have at least taken a meeting with Sam Presti in the Thunder a few years ago? No, I think he's very happy with the Supermax. Oh, I'm sure he's happy with the Supermax. I think he's very happy with the Supermax. But did they ask to have a meeting? Did that happen? No, it was just uh, the Clippers and Phoenix. That's what I thought. That's what I, I don't know. I didn't know if the Thunder reached no, out to him. Was I, my question. I mean, we're not going to know that. Okay, I didn't know that. Not even reported. Not even Woj would know. Um, but I, I pre-wrote <laughs> two or three like minor news things. That is saying something. Not even <laughs> Woj would know, man. He, I mean, watch the draft. You remember the Thunder are always oh, the yeah. only team that Woj cannot. Woj predict. is like four picks ahead. Yeah, doing his like pseudo. I'm not telling like, you. They have a laser pointed. Yeah, all those stupid phrases. I'm pointing lasers at me, man. They're dangerous. Uh, watch Star I, Wars. I, I, I totally forgot. But yeah, no, they get to Sam Presti's pick, and it's. Like dead silence. Twenty seconds before it's aired, basically saying whoever answered the phone for the league is it's the one like, telling. Uh, this dude's agent finally called me back. The embargo was lifted. I can like it can be public now, but no, like I pre wrote like, two or three things um, going into Florida, thinking like, okay, this is when they're gonna happen. I m- might as well have them written so I don't have to write anything when I'm on vacation. None of those things happened, um, and things that did occur. I wasn't necessarily prepared for it, and that's my fault. And so I had to write them on, you know, on my phone, sitting on the beach. Which sounds, is, I mean, oh, terrible, yeah. oh. terrible life. Uh, you trying to? If you're trying to make us feel bad for you, this is not the right. No, 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 no. But like the point is, this team, for whatever reason, ha- is like watching me because every time I am like driving, or on my way somewhere, or I'm busy hanging out with people, then something happens. Then I have to stop everything and be the weird kid in the, in a group and write something on my computer or on my phone. Like, sorry, I can't talk to you for 20 minutes. But, yep. Back so I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. I do all this work. We do all this work in the Thunder trade the pick. Thanks again, Sam. And he'll trade it for, like, a future heavily protected second-round pick <laughs> and a first-round pick. Like, so it's not even like we get to talk about a trade. It's, it's like, just like, oh, it's just nothing happened. <laughs> we just, nothing happened. Uh, okay. That's going to do it for us. Uh, this is going to be a l- like a little bit about 40 minutes, so hopefully that'll get you covered. Uh, me and Brady will obviously be back next Monday. Yes? No more vacation? Yes, sir. Okay, I don't know. Are you just um, I'm going to Summer League in Vegas, but we can still make that work. I yeah, think. we'll make that work. Yeah. Um, so we'll be on next week. Uh, Madison and Brady will be doing a podcast on Wednesday, and then obviously the basketball show on Saturday will show up in your feed as well, which I will not be there Saturday off. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for you? Suck it, losers. <laughs> Uh, no, my wife will be pumped. But yeah, so uh, make sure you stick right here on the OKC82 podcast. Make sure you rate, subscribe, review, um, and give Brady a follow at Brady Does Sports as well as me at Chisholm Holland. Um, and we'll have you covered basically for the rest of the summer. But uh, between now and then, uh, hope your favorite brand doesn't break up. Yeah, that would be a good good. It's thing how David Letterman signs off his Netflix show, and I think that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep meaning, like, I saw the Obama episode when it first came Obama out. was great. There's yeah. a Jay-Z one, a Kanye West one. The Kanye West one is about as weird as you anticipate. Oh, God. The Jay-Z one is actually great. If I didn't... <laughs> if, I, if I wasn't on a diet, I'd get drunk and watch that one. <laughs> what, is it, what does that have to do with it? I, I just can't handle Kanye sometimes. I just can't handle... No, 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 no the diet and the drunk part. It, I, I would have to be drunk to watch that. Well, you, you just have to do the sorority. Didn't know we were off the rails. You have to do the sorority girl diet, which is the vodka, which is zero calories. Oh.
I swore off vodka, man. I had a bad, bad experience in college. Well, just don't drink that same brand. Oh, is it just vodka in general? It's just like it's just vodka in general. Oh man, see, like I can't do. Uh... I'll quote the the great Ron Swanson. Uh, clear liquors are for rich rich people on diets or rich women on diets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, fair enough. And okay, I am, I am neither rich nor a woman, so tweet Brady some vodka he needs to try. Um, until then, we will be with you just here in a couple of days. So make sure you uh, stick around. Appreciate you guys. Thank you guys.